1: Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode by episode look at the award winning TV show Friday Night Lights created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano. I played Mindy Collette-Riggins.
0: And I'm Derek Phillips and I play Billy Riggins.
1: Our assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show.
0: But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast.
1: If you want to support our show, subscribe for free to our YouTube channel, where you can access exclusive content. We have a YouTube handle that makes it easy to find us. That's youtube.com slash at clear eyes full hearts. Also, we are continuing to release new episodes of the podcast every other week.
0: That's right. So join us as we recap all your favorite episodes, chat with amazing guests.
1: And answer your questions. Email us what you want to know at clear eyes, full hearts Pod at gmail.com today we are talking about season four episode 11 injury list it was written by carrie aaron and directed by seith mann our nbc synopsis reads tammy must defend her job and her actions when a parent calls for her termination as principal of East Dillon, and luke struggles with his injury
0: there's so much to unpack in this episode but before we get into it we're gonna answer some of your fan questions Before we even answer fan questions, Stacey, Uh Seath Mann, who directed this episode, this is Mm -hmm. actually just kind of a funny story behind the scenes. I was actually flying in to shoot this episode and I bumped into him in the airport and I'd worked with him on another episode of Friday Night Lights. And I was taking a pee at the urinal and when I turned around, I saw Seath and I go, hey man, how you doing? And I went to go shake his hand. Mm
1: -mm.
0: And he goes, wash your hands first. And I was like, yeah, sorry. So that happened. I don't even know what to say to that. It has absolutely nothing to do with fan questions. I just heard you say Seath Man directed this episode. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I no, I just wonder, that.
1: like, when you showed up on set again, he would be like, hey, you, did you wash your hands, bro? Yeah, you, it was, just, works, it was awkward
0: and, and embarrassing and, you know. <laughs>
1: and fully Derek.
0: Yeah, 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 pretty much. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if it was this episode, but every time I think of Seath Man, I think about the time that I saw him at LAX and tried to shake his hands when I had pee all over me. I don't think I had pee all over I me. I
1: bet that he loves being that memory for you. Yes.
0: Anyway, our first question comes from James in Tampa, who asks, when Coach and Tammy brought home Gracie Bell, she was young. Who was she? Was she a crew member's daughter? Or was she a baby that her parents agreed to put on the show? We always see these newborn babies on shows and we're like, where did they get these babies from? Actually, it's a great question. And to be honest with you, Gracie Bell is not one person. Gracie Bell is actually three little girls,
1: three people.
0: So, what happens on film and television sets is, especially when you're dealing with newborns, they can't get too fresh out. You know what I mean?
1: No, but it drives me crazy when somebody just has a baby and, like, that baby is three months old. Like, stop.
0: or 6 months old. You're like, "Wait a minute, that's Come not a newborn." On. But you can't have like a newborn, newborn on set. But they really, really try to get triplets.
1: Yeah, at least twins.
0: Twins? Yeah, there we because, go. Because
1: yeah, you got to if one's upset, you got to bring in the other one.
0: Yeah, so they'll just swap them out. Like one baby's crying, they bring in another one, and then that baby's crying, they bring in another swap one. Out babies? I did a what was the show? 911 It was an episode where my character is married to an African-American woman and we have a child together. And so they brought in twins. One of the twins was darker than the other twin, though. So when they were doing the swap, it was one of the most uncomfortable scenes I've ever had to shoot in my life because my wife is supposed to give birth. It's supposed to be outside. And so they cover the baby in like, KY Jelly so that it looks like it's newborn and it was cold outside and mm. there was a part of me as an actor like, dude, guys, we got to get this quick. So they That's swapped the babies out and then on top of it, like the baby's crying. One baby's darker than the other baby. And then we wound up actually just using a prop baby for most of the scene.
1: You American Snipered it?
0: Yeah, basically. There's a scene from American Sniper where the baby just does not look real at all. And, you know, on a high budget film like that, you're like, how did they let that slide? I think American Sniper had already come out at that point in time. I was animating the child with my hand underneath it, Mm -hmm. like moving its head and arms. Usually they'll use triplets. For instance, when Stacy and I have our kid on the show, it's actually a pair of twins.
1: If you remember, that's next season, this season, uh, actually for the next episode, when I have my baby, it was also twins, but I don't really know how they did this. I remember talking to the parents. The babies that we had were 12 days old. They were wow. tiny. You'll see when we watch next week, everyone on set, because newborns' ears are incredibly sensitive, everyone was whispering. and even that's when right. The, I remember the crew, that. When the crew would be doing their things, and it was so, it was like a very peaceful day. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, they were babies. That's
0: crazy. I remember that now that you said that, because I remember we had a nurse on set who was like, we Mm -hmm. all have to be whispered. So in between takes, everyone's like, okay, so what? what?"
1: But to answer the question, there are agencies that are like specialty agencies that deal with kids, babies, families. And so casting directors will go to these agencies for that. We're just going to keep talking about babies. I did a couple episodes of Shameless. And in Shameless, you shoot the interiors in LA and then you go to Chicago to shoot the exteriors and on shameless. I had twins again, And in LA, they were four-year-old brunette girls. It turned out that those girls couldn't travel to Chicago. So in Chicago, I had seven-year-old blonde girls. And who am I? I'm a guest star. But I was like, what in the world is happening? (laughs) I just shut my mouth and went along with it. Okay.
0: But yeah, primarily in the business, they go to, you know, looking for twins, looking for triplets. And to be honest with you, it's pretty decent money for the parents, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure if you're being surprised by having twins or triplets, you'll take the money wherever you you can get it at that point yeah. in time.
1: But you guys, next time you see a kid or a baby, especially a baby baby on a TV show, they're always looking up and it's because they're looking at the boom mic. It's always yeah. above their head. Almost I always. Love it. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> Our next question comes from Garrett Miller who asks, what did you think of Jesse's role Todd in Breaking Bad compared to Landry? You yeah, can right. never hear the song Sharing the Night Together without thinking of him driving to El Camino and singing it. It's so creepy.
0: Yeah, it's crazy because I had watched like the first season or two of Breaking Bad. And then for whatever reason, you know, time, blah, 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 blah. I hadn't watched like season three or season four. Me too. And then I did like a massive rewatch right up until the point where like, I think it was the fifth season, the final season, whatever the final season was. And at this point, I'm calling Jesse on the phone and I'm like, dude, you got to tell me what happened. (laughs) some am no. losing my mind. He's like, I'm not telling you anything. But I remember when he got that job, I'm paraphrasing this. So please bear with me if anything that I say isn't completely and totally true. But as I remember it, Jesse got this job and wasn't sure exactly what character he was playing when he got it because they were so super secretive about it. So he didn't actually know when he got his first script, which character he was playing in the script while he was on the flight down there to go shoot what? his scenes. And yeah, he winds up playing Todd and he's super creepy on that show super
1: creepy.
0: yeah it is a polar opposite of who jesse Clemens is as a person i don't know about you but i love the opportunity to play stuff like that as an actor it's great i
1: mean that's why we do we do but then i look at like jesse's just career trajectory and like we talked to him about what he did in game night and even him in jungle cruise jesse plemons loses himself in a character he's so freaking brilliant yeah. Anything compared to Landry is going to be different because Jesse would never do the same thing twice. He's so freakishly talented. I love that voice. So
0: I wish he would have spoiled some of those. You know, spoiled me a little bit with this Breaking Bad stuff. But For he was good well, about um, not saying anything.
1: Derek and I are also really good friends with Jesse's stunt double, Nick Benzman. And I was like, Nick, tell yeah. me what happened in the movie. And He's like, I can't.
0: Nick wouldn't tell me anything either. Yeah, Nick you doubled in on Jungle Cruise. He doubled right? him on a ton of stuff. He's Jungle doubled him and in Breaking a bunch Bad. Of stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, what's the point of having friends in the business if they're not going to give you any spoilers?
1: Oh, my God. Everyone wanted Kaleidoscope spoilers, too, from Netflix. And I'm like, you guys, I literally didn't get scripts. I can't tell you. because I don't know.
0: All right. Our final question comes from Holly S., who writes, I am dying to know if there was ever talk about a movie. I do remember some rumors floating around a year or two after the series ended but I'm wondering whatever happened to that. I can tell you what happened to that. There was actually a lot of talk of doing a movie. Quite a bit. In fact, there was more than just talk. Jason Kadams wrote a whole entire screenplay. The
1: script is written. More than
0: anything. I think most of the actors from the show, while I think a lot of us would love to work with each other again, are also very hesitant about ever doing anything Friday Night Lights again, just because we think the show ended on such a good note. The idea of like getting everyone back together to try and best what we've already done. I think a lot of people are very happy with the way the show ended. and have moved on with their careers.
1: There was a, like, not like an official vote, but a reaching out of a are you a yes or are you a no category. Yeah. Like, it wasn't totally polar. Like, there were a lot no. of yeses, but there were way more no's.
0: I would love the opportunity to work with all you guys again. I've loved the chance that we've had doing this podcast just to reconnect you know, with everybody and it's yeah. been awesome. And I was hesitant about doing this podcast for that same mm-hmm. reason, you know, because there was that part of me that was like, you know, I don't want to sour the memory of this show, not just yeah. for myself, but for fans of the show. I feel like I'm walking a tightrope sometimes of not, you know, getting too personal with the show because it was such a wonderful experience for me and, and a wonderful experience for so many fans. I don't want to ruin that for anybody.
1: I can get my hands on the script to read it just for fun, but there's part of me that hasn't done it yet i never saw it they won't like just give it to anybody a little bit what yeah. i could read it but i don't think i even want to read the script i like don't yeah. want to know what happens to these people because i love where it is right now i want
0: to know if i was in it
1: you guys they killed off billy Reagan.
0: <laughs> come on yeah
1: but not like, mindy <laughs> i'm just kidding
0: i did a parenthood thing a couple <laughs> years back me and jesse plemons and stacy was supposed to join us but stacy you were working, working or shooting on something i can't remember what mm-hmm but yeah, we did like a little Friday Night Lights parenthood crossover, but that's basically been the extent of it. And I mean, obviously, Jason Katims has used a lot of Friday Night Lights people and it's currently working with Connie Britton on a new show. But yeah, I mean, Jason, I think his love for the show and for all of us is pretty clear because he's used us on so many different projects.
1: And I guess there's a new Friday Night Lights TV show in the works coming up, but it literally has nothing to do with us and we don't know anything about it. Yeah.
0: I mean, I've heard that. I don't know if there's any truth. to You know, it's probably in development hell. I don't think people realize. I mean, like the first Friday Night Lights movie took 15 years to make. It's just kind of the way Hollywood goes sometimes in terms of like the speed at which things get produced. Anyway, thank you guys so much for all the questions. Please keep them coming. And we're going to move on to the rewatch portion of the show.
1: El fuego. I have to say, this is Buddy's true calling. I don't know why he (laughs) was selling cars ever. He should have fully always been a full-time radio personality
0: i'm gonna agree with you buddy calling coach el rey de la selva (laughs) just had me giggling because it literally translates into the king of the jungle and since he's you know the head coach of the lions he's the king of the jungle it may be one of my favorite all-time buddy garrity lines and you are 100 percent correct in saying that el fuego is Buddy Garrity's call. The expression on Coach's face in this interview, though, because Buddy's asking him about the game against Dylan, which is like two weeks away. And Coach is like, I'm not here to talk about the game against Dylan. Let's talk about, I think they're playing Westcott or something like that. Westerby, who knows?
1: I feel like Coach is always like that in an interview. He's always yes. like, I don't want to be here talking he to you about want to be this. Here. Please let me go. Please let me go.
0: He's a man who loves football and has no desire to do any of the required BS that comes mm-hmm. along with it interviews, press.
1: I think Coach is a bit of an introvert. I think he doesn't like any of the spotlight.
0: I think so, too. I think so, too. That's
1: why I like him. Maddie Saracen is back, and I missed him. I don't know if I knew that I missed him, but when I saw his face, I knew that I missed him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I, I felt the
0: exact same way. I've missed him. Yeah. Once I saw him again, I was like, oh yeah, I miss, I miss me some Matt Saracen. At this point is an audience. I don't think we know exactly where he is, do we? I can't remember.
1: If... He just got in his car.
0: We'll find out later in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. But he just got in Chicago. his car and drove away. Yeah. But there's a scene that happens a couple episodes back where Julie's with Grandma Saracen and Matt's mom. But I don't think we find out there that he's in Chicago.
1: No, he's just gone.
0: But anyway, at this point, we know he's in a major city. We're not exactly sure where, but it does make me happy to know that he's missing Julie. I don't want him to be sad, Mm -hmm. but I do. It makes me happy that he's got that picture of her and he's looking at her and he's, you know,
1: pictures
0: of her. Yeah, because I like these two. I like these two together and it makes me sad that they're not together. I want them to be together, but I understand. Are you okay? I'm going to be.
1: All right, Luke's mom. I love it when storytelling, you can just see polar opposites in two different sides of a totem pole, whatever it's going to be. But Luke's mom couldn't be more the antithesis of Becky's mom and have both of them like placed in front of Becky. It's just good storytelling.
0: No, very good storytelling. Beautifully played. This little scene, just really well acted by Kathleen Griffith, who plays mm-hmm. Luke's mom. Yeah, you love her. Also known as Margaret Cafferty. And even though it's a very short scene, it's arguably, I want to say, the most uncomfortable scene I think I've watched on Friday Night Lights. And that's saying a lot. Really? Yes. It just made me like, Ugh. Because you got the mother of the guy that Becky barely knows who knocked her up mm-hmm. and she wants to talk to her. It's not creepy. Maybe creepy's not the right word. It's no, it cringy. just made me like yeah. cringy. Like, oh, this is uncomfortable and I don't like this.
1: I think I it like didn't this. for me because Becky didn't feel that. Like and I took it the same way too. Like she really was going there in a sense of concern to make sure Becky is okay with the situation and Luke is okay and they're okay as children. Later, we found out maybe that's not such the case, but I was like, oh, you are genuinely worried for this young girl. And I felt a lot of warmth. They are.
0: maybe it's my Puritan and upbringing
1: and then they slapped me in the gut
0: you know what it felt like and maybe this isn't the same for you but like i remember like being like 15 years old and renting a movie from blockbuster and like watching it on the couch and there's like a nude scene and your parents are in the room with you and you're like oh
1: even oh, french this. kissing i would hide yeah it's so uncomfortable
0: this scene made me feel that way for whatever reason
1: you know more of the story too because to me it maybe. felt very pure
0: yeah which made it harder later Well, this is a completely and totally different thing here, Mm -hmm. but like, you don't have to answer it right this second. I'm going to give you some time to think about it. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) What scene on this show made your skin crawl the most? Uh, Like, because this scene made my skin crawl. And as I said, you don't have to answer it now. In fact, you can answer it later. Think about it a little bit. We'll keep doing the podcast here, Stace. And I'm going to ask you at the end of this episode.
1: Oh, now I have to do two things at once in my brain.
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Pressure. Oof. All right.
1: Okay, you guys, I've talked about him before, but oh my God, Cedric Neal, he plays Cunard. I remember like hanging out with Seth on set. I was so happy that we were working on the same project. We've been friends for like 20 years. I did not know Cunard was this much of a bad guy. I think I didn't know Cedric could go this far into playing a bad guy you guys right now he's in the west end and guys and dolls playing nicely nicely johnson and that to me is cedric like yeah. sing and dance and play the good guy and he has the most beautiful smile and i'm like oh my god you are incredibly bad
0: no Kennard is a bad bad dude and look i don't know cedric as well as stacy does but i can tell you this much like from the times I've hung out with him and been around him. We talk about Gaius being different than the character he plays. This is like a complete and total polar opposite. I mean, just to give you some reference, like the last time I think I saw Cedric, he mm-hmm. was playing Tommy in the Who's mm-hmm. Tommy. He was playing a deaf, dumb, and blind boy who sure played a mean pinball.
1: Cedric is pensive and he'll sort of sit and watch and he's a little soft-spoken and very like just, so 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 smart. I love it when I'm impressed by my friends. I'm like, well, I did yeah. not know you had that in you. <laughs> I
0: love it. I think I remember Michael B. Jordan because I think he kind of stayed in character while he was doing this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it is so different than who he is as a person. And I remember like Michael B. hanging out with him afterwards and being completely like, whoa, dude, I didn't know. <laughs> like, cause he's night and day. Moving on, moving on.
1: I have been so worried that loops pill searching is addiction. I love that that's not maybe we're meant to think that, but it's not. This kid is genuinely in a lifetime of pain. Yeah. And he needs the medicine. I don't think he's addicted to the pills at all. He can't play without them. I
0: don't think that's where the show is going. I think it's literally that he's just in so much pain. God, he's awful. fighting through this. Like the reality is he should not be playing right now. He that shouldn't was- be playing. Oh, I'm not saying it's as bad as what Luke got, but I got a deep thigh bruise when I was doing that movie 42. I could barely walk and I didn't tell anybody about it because I didn't Mm -hmm. want to get recast. You know what I mean?
1: Did you slide? Did you get it from sliding?
0: I got it from sliding about 40 times the same day in the same place in the same area because we were shooting this one scene where I was supposed to be catching a foul ball and sliding into a fence to do it. But we did it like, I mean, we must have done 15, 16, 17 takes just over and over and over again landing on that one area and it was already bruised from before i kept doing it and kept doing it when i say thigh it was more like on the outer thigh and part of my hip but i mean the bruise started and it was like almost black but like the size of an eraser head like in my thigh and by like day two it had spread a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more by the time we were done shooting that my whole entire right butt cheek and all the way down to like my quad was black and blue. I've never had anything like that before in my life. But unlike Luke, I didn't resort to, you know, getting drugs from creepy doctors.
1: Yes. You also weren't getting hit by giant men over this and over again. You, I don't know if you remember in a League of Their Own, there's one scene where they show one of the players on the bench and she has just her entire leg covered in what you're talking about. And it was because yeah. that was a real, it wasn't makeup. That was real she had just done too many slides. Makes me not want to be in a baseball movie. (laughs) You and her. Yeah. (laughs) I'm good.
0: You know what it is? There's something just in general in this business, and I had to learn this the hard way. When you're doing something over and over and over again, it's a matter of like pacing yourself. You know Mm. what I mean? I don't think I understood the the pace that's required when you're starting out in this business. I'd show up to set and be like, hey, how? Hey, bouncing around. How's everybody doing? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, by hour 14, you're running out of gas because you went too crazy in the morning. It's like running a marathon some respects, because you never know how long your day is going to be. Sure. You know, so if you come in there bouncing off the walls at six o'clock in the morning, come 9pm, you're going to be running on fumes. I learned from a lot of older actors, it's like when they give you an opportunity to go sit down, sit mm-hmm. down, and they give you a break, go take a break. And I do that now, now that I'm an now, old fart. Now
1: with the old people on set. Sutton and I <laughs> did that on Bunheads. It was me, her, and a bunch of like younger ballerina girls. We sat down in our cast chairs and they were like over there dancing and laughing and giggling. And we were like, oh God, we're the old people on set now, aren't we? yeah yes we are okay this is what i'm talking about the switch i thought luke's mom's motives for going and talking to becky were so pure and i loved that scene but they weren't she was gathering information because she's upset and she's trying to get tammy fired
0: yeah and i don't like that this is sneaky
1: it's so sneaky also i don't know if she's wrong oh really i don't know that It is Tammy's responsibility to take care of a student that doesn't go to her school. Morally, yes.
0: I don't think it's necessarily Tammy's responsibility, but my point at the end of the day is that Tammy didn't do anything wrong. She didn't drive this girl to an abortion clinic and say, you have to get an abortion. She laid out what this girl's options were. That's all she did.
1: Was that the right thing to do, though? Would it not be calling up the principal or guidance counselor from East Island and saying, I have a girl who needs to come talk to you? Not saying what the problem is. And I don't know. But if a student went into another high school to talk to their principal, I would think that principal might have to be like, I cannot guide you here, but I can give you somebody who can.
0: Just the fact that it didn't happen on school grounds, it happened at their house. I mean, it's just, it's the equivalent of, you know, you calling me up on the phone and saying, hey, I've got a question for you. How can you hold me responsible for answering that? Even if you are underage, like, I don't understand. Tammy didn't do anything wrong here.
1: No, yeah. She is trying to say that you told her to get an abortion. You drove her to get an abortion, which like is not the case. No. I find a gray issue here.
0: I see where you're coming from. I can understand where Luke's mom would potentially be upset in this situation. But in terms of like any kind of legal backing, like Tammy didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? I don't think you could legally hold her accountable for anything that she did. Although this is Dylan, Texas. This is the tip of the iceberg here. It
1: does make me wonder. And it has nothing to do with podcasts, but I kind of want to go like study on my own. Are there guidelines for guidance Hmm. counselors and principals? Is there a line they're not allowed to cross?
0: God, I'm sure there is. It's
1: interesting. Bureaucracy, baby.
0: Yeah, tell me about it.
1: Okay, did, did we ever actually find out what happened to Jess's mom? Because Okay, so we're at dinner at Landry's house with his family and Jess, and Glenn Morshaw, our dad, says something like, well, your mom must have done it right, and just the look in both of their faces, like, oh God, don't talk about the mom. I was like, wait, what did happen to Jess's mom?
0: I know, and I don't know if we've already learned this through the show, but I know, and I can't remember how I know this, but I know that Jess's mom has passed away. I don't know if we found that out already.
1: I don't remember that knowing And I can't
0: remember, to be honest with you, if her mom passed away recently. Yeah, I I guess we're just going to have to find out. What
1: if she died playing football and that's why her dad hates football so much?
0: Her mom died playing football? Go with me.
1: Play with me in this space. It's going to answer all of our questions in one felt (laughs) swoop.
0: Here's another thing that's kind of crazy. That last episode was the last time we will see Jess's dad. He's done. He's gone.
1: I know she has an aunt that comes in.
0: Yes. I don't know exactly what happened to Steve Harris. I don't know if he got another job. I don't know if it was, you know, money conflict.
1: I really liked where that story was heading. Me
0: too. And I was kind of trying to prep you like from the very beginning, like, yeah, Don't ask too many questions because you're not going to get them answered, unfortunately. You know, I'm sure the writers had more plans for him. I can't imagine that this is just how the writers planned it. Like, you know, and that's it. He's just gone. Something happened. And once again, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, guys. I mean, he could have gotten another gig. He could have wanted more money. He could have had a
1: family problem, had a
0: family conflict. Who Mm -hmm. knows? I mean, things like that happen all the time. I know that he was contractually obligated for like six episodes and then he was just done and then he wasn't back. And that happens.
1: There is a Steve Harris shaped hole in my heart.
0: Yeah. Dude, I mean, I wanted to know more about Big Mary. I honestly did. Maybe Hmm. we'll find some stuff out through, you know, Vince's aunt that comes in in the next couple of episodes, played by Lorraine Toussaint. The character's name is Bird.
1: Lorraine Toussaint, I love.
0: Unfortunately, yeah, that's the end of Big Mary. So there's a lot of backstory. (sighs) We still okay. don't know what happened to the Reagans brothers, mom.
1: You know what, no again, clue. it's not really mine to know. It is really none no. of my business, but I'm a nosy person. Oh, me too. Speaking of. Uh, so Tim takes them out to dinner to celebrate. He is maybe a landowner now after a giant wad of cash was handed over. And he starts talking about, where did you get the money? Got it from Garrity or Garrity through some work your way. And then Becky is suddenly all knowing and knows everything and knows that this money didn't come from Buddy Garrity. I'm not going to say that Becky is this, smartest character we have on Friday Night Lights. I thought she's so wise right now. I
0: don't know. But look, we don't know what Becky and Tim talk about in their private time. We only know what we
1: see. You think they talk about Chop Shop? Yes.
0: I think that they talk about, you know, Garrity Motors and what's going on with, you know, mass transportation in Dillon, Texas. Mm-hmm. I think these are the conversations they have when she's not trying to, you know, stick her tongue down Tim's throat.
1: <laughs> God, those rules, girls, they love kissing that face. Yes. Oh, boy. of the squirrels, squirrels, Alicia Witt says to Taylor Kitch, which is the only way that I can put this, that you live a few meters away from my house. If I said to you right now something was five meters away, would you know how far away that was? No. I have no clue what a meter is. Why does she say, and I only can think that she's talking to Taylor Kitch in Canadian.
0: Is she Canadian?
1: No, she's from Massachusetts, but like maybe she knows Taylor's Canadian. Carrie Aaron
0: wrote this episode, right?
1: <laughs> Why did you ask Carrie?
0: Maybe Carrie's canadian Carrie,
1: why'd you say meters
0: oh you don't think carrie's canadian do you gross you i'm kidding i'm kidding that was more of a slight on taylor kitsch than anybody else i like to send him anti-canadian stuff on a regular basis
1: it roomy. I was like meters. How far? How far is the the trailer from the house?
0: Maybe she was a track star, Stacey. You don't know. My
1: best friend is Canadian. And like when we're going out, she'll text me like, oh my God, it's 32 degrees. It's so beautiful outside. And I'm like, what are you talking about?
0: Uh, She's using Celsius, is she She not? She
1: doesn't know Fahrenheit. It's (laughs) like, I don't know what you mean. Speaking of Alicia Witt being from Massachusetts, you guys, if you have not heard her music, she's an insanely good musician. Just go Google it. I love her so, 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 so much. Go on.
0: There's too many musicians on this show. I mean. It's a little much, especially since I have no musical talent. And not
1: a musical episode in sight.
0: Maybe that's what the movie should be, is just a a Friday Night Lights movie (gasps) musical.
1: Friday Night Lights, exclamation point. the (laughs) musical.
0: All right, I'm not going to lie. I'm getting pretty pissed off here with this meeting that Tammy is having with the school board, all right? And I'm glad that FNL took the opportunity to talk about some of the bureaucracy and politicking that goes on in public schools, or just education in general, because it really is out of control. Unfortunately, I think the powers that be in Dylan, specifically Dylan High, are going to use this as a way to go after Tammy. You want to know why, Stacy? Yeah. Because it's a devil town, oh, God, Stacey. It. It's know. a devil I town.
1: Know. You
0: didn't know that, but I'm reminding oh, you God. once again, it is a devil town.
1: You guys can see my face right now.
0: I don't know that we brought that theme up in a while, <laughs>
1: but it's back. Wait, Derek. What? I know what the cringiest moment is. It's this one right now.
0: This one? the conversation we're having or the, it's the you saying
1: devil town again me
0: saying devil town is what cringes you out the most yeah
1: it's my cringiest moment of friday night
0: <laughs> i love it
1: all right am i reading into it too much that it seemed a little like especially coach but maybe both of them are like does tammy want this job at dylan high anymore am i reading hmm. too much into it
0: we all want to be where we're wanted you know what i mean obviously yeah. she needs the job and i know that when she she retains the job. She's like, well, I still have a job, you know, but it, I think that some of the yeah, love for it wasn't like is gone.
1: Celebration. And they're at rival schools, too. That's got to be hard in a household.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, if there was a position that opened up at East Hill and I think Tammy would jump on it.
1: Even after she says it, Coach is like, and, and how do you feel about that? Instead of like, oh, my God, that's great news. He was really giving space for like, we can be ambiguous here. This is weird. Yeah. Yeah, I love them, and you know, being ambiguous and not loving Jalen High anymore, I am so good at podcast segues. I don't know if you've noticed how (laughs) seamless I am. I have noticed,
0: and I'm very impressed.
1: Buddy Garrity took his ring
0: off. Yep, Buddy is no longer wearing his Panthers ring, which I'm assuming they had to get off with some kind of jaws of life apparatus. Oh God! All
1: the butter and soap in the world. Just, I wish there was this scene of him over a sink, like Ugh. yeah, things's been
0: on his fingers <laughs> since he was 16 years old.
1: Has a bigger symbolic gesture ever been made than buddy. Already taking off his Panther ring, it's like magnanimous.
0: Yeah, I mean, it says a lot about his feelings moving forward mm-hmm. with regards to the Panthers.
1: The scene was nothing but him walking into his office and going, "I took my ring off," and then the scene is over. But I was like, "Wait, but that's huge!"
0: Yeah, that was basically the end of it.
1: <laughs> that means everything.
0: They did talk about, you know, what coaches plans are against Dill
1: again. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you want to know why, Stacey?
1: I swear to God, if you say Devil Town, because it's a Devil Town, I quit. I quit. I quit the podcast. Julie.
0: What's a, I get it.
1: I was there. She's 16. And I just want to, there's no way to tell a 16 year old this, but you're going to have so many more boyfriends and you're going to get your heart broken again. And you're going to break hearts.
0: No, she's not. She's going to be with Matt Saracen forever. What's wrong with
1: you? Did you read the movie script?
0: I haven't read the movie
1: script. <laughs> we got married.
0: I don't know if that's true, but I mean, come on, Stacy.
1: She's no, going to stay with Matt. Why would you? What's wrong with
0: you? What do you think? She's going to run off for the Habitat for Humanity guy? because yes, he
1: he's very cute
0: yeah well looks aren't everything
1: me knowing girls and teenagers and what it is it is impressive that when he called she said i can't talk to you right now and hung up because the hmm. impulse is to give into that feeling and you want to yeah. sit and you want to talk and you want to cry about it and i want you to know how upset i am and she was like nope and i was like oh okay that's hmm. a little bit of strength and i'm not mad at that yeah yeah, yeah. julie d yes You had told me that they will not hang out at Carroll Park anymore because the lights got turned on and they are hanging out at Carroll Park. And all I'm saying is I still don't understand the storyline. And that's why I'm upset. Not at you, just at myself and my dumb brain.
0: I don't know what to tell you, honestly. In my defense, I was under the impression that the whole reason they were trying to turn the lights on in Carroll Park is to try and get some of the riffraff out of there at night. That was the vibe I got. (laughs)
1: It was the title of the episode.
0: Right? But doesn't that make sense? Isn't that what you think it would be?
1: I was with you. But apparently,
0: none of the riffraff is left.
1: Apparently, they enjoy the light. They can see more.
0: Maybe the people of Dylan just wanted the drug dealers to be able to deal drugs with the lights on. Because, you know, Stace, if you drop pills, if you drop pills at night on the ground, it's going to be hard for you to find them. So it's a good thing to have the lights on so you can find the pills that you drop. Oh, where's my cocaine? I lost my cocaine baggie. Wait, what's up? Thank God the lights are on in Carroll Park.
1: You Okay, but you don't want to take that up off the ground. I take quite a few nighttime pills. Mm -hmm. I have Definitely crawled around on a floor, not wanting to turn my light on, looking for my nighttime allergy pill. (laughs) And it is very hard. Or like five days later, you find a little pill and you're like, oh man, there it is. See, that's
0: what it is. They don't want the kids, they don't want the kids in the daytime to find the drugs. And then the kids do the drugs in the daytime.
1: We're worried about their future eyesight. Yeah. Stop squinting at Carroll Park.
0: I was under the impression that the reason they wanted the lights on was to keep the riffraff out. Apparently, it has done absolutely no good. But maybe that's the whole entire point. I think another thing that was a point in that episode is that, you know, you're not just going to bring in some white savior and everything's going to get fixed overnight. There's problems in this community. There will be problems long after Coach is gone. But, you know, I think the objective from Coach's end was to reach out to that community and also to try and keep his players out of that environment, which apparently didn't work either because Dallas Tinker's still hanging out. In Carroll Park all hours the like night, doing God knows what.
1: Pinard. Oh, I don't But know. Tink, Tink, Tink's a good guy. He went to go help Luke put up the fence so he could go to school. And now he's like, you can't play like this. We're not going to run that play because that's your hurt side. We're going to go against coach's rules because Tink is looking out for Luke. And I love him.
0: I, I mean, I love him too. I don't know what he's doing in Carroll Park all hours in the night. But, yeah. you know.
1: And then finally, I always say finally, but he got too hurt. Like to the point where he can't play and all I can think is coach is going to be so mad that Luke didn't tell him about this.
0: Yeah, coach is going to be pissed off. I get that Luke is busting his ass. He's trying to stay in so he can get a scholarship and go to college. But there comes a point where it's like you're putting your lifelong health at risk. and You're potentially putting yourself at risk for like re-injuring and not being able to play even next year. So there comes a point where you got to pull yourself off the field. I think not to mention the fact that you're probably preventing the guy who's behind you from playing, who might actually be capable of doing something because he's at a hundred percent.
1: And now you you can stop taking oxycontin because you'll have a little break.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to keep going to, you know, shady doctors and Dylan.
1: Dylan's got shady doctors. I'm going to do it again. I just need you to be prepared. Here it comes. Absolutely not. We have done this storyline before, and I don't want to see it again. What storyline? We saw Tim Riggins take a drunk Julie home, get her in bed, and take her shoes off because he is a kind, wonderful human. Coach walked in and thought he was doing creepy things with his daughter in bed. And now Becky's mom walks in while they are innocently on the couch watching a movie and thinks that he is doing something to her daughter. Like, I can't. We did the storyline before. I can't.
0: Okay. Stacy, I'm going to interrupt you just real quick. Okay. As a guy who happens to be really, 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 really good looking, I think it's important that FNL shines a light on how the good intentions of us really, really good looking men (laughs) are sometimes misconstrued (laughs) by people (laughs) like you. And like, for instance, (laughs) the first time you met me, you were like, oh my God, he's so hot. Oh my God. I get it. I get tired of being thought of as just a piece of meat. All right. Mm -hmm. People just assume that we have some creepy sexual deviant thing about us because of the way we look. So yes, mm-hmm. maybe this story has been done before on Friday Night mm-hmm. Lights, but I think it's brave of them to tackle the big issues like this. <laughs> I mean, we've also touched on abortion and drug use and race multiple times. Do you want us to stop talking about race, So Stacey? we need to
1: talk about the plight of the really, really good looking man. Yes, the plight of the really, <laughs> really good looking man. I didn't know the struggle was so hard, if I'm being it honest. It is
0: hard, Stacy. And thank you, Friday Night Lights, <laughs> for shining a light on it. Everywhere I go, people think I have awful intentions because I'm so really, really, really good looking.
1: Mm-hmm. Really, really ridiculously good looking.
0: Yes, I do agree with you. There is a repetitive theme in the show of Tim getting screwed over for stuff that he didn't do.
1: But then he also just stands up and bows his head down and walks away. And he's never like, no, dude, I wasn't doing that thing because yeah. he just assumes everyone thinks awful of him anyway that he's like, I, OK, you think I'm terrible. I'm walking away. Like there's a part of it that's heartbreaking. He's
0: a noble alcoholic. <laughs> He's a noble
1: (laughs) drunk. Yes. really, really good-looking, land-owning, noble
0: drunk. I mean, and then he's going to wind up taking the fall for his brother.
1: Now I understand why the writer's room of parenthood had bracelets made that said, WWTRD, what would Tim Riggins do? And they wore them to make decisions. I didn't get it. I totally get it now. Uh, the kid's uh, kind of noble. He is noble. Fully totally in love with this character. Didn't know that was going to happen to me. And that happens.
0: Becky's mom goes nuts. Becky's
1: yep. mom goes crazy pants. He goes to sleep at Riggins Riggs because I guess he does not feel welcome at our house.
0: Well, especially after you threw him out, basically.
1: And Becky goes over to Riggins Riggs. And I have to say, this speech was incredibly sweet. I love Maddie in this moment. I loved this moment. And my brain also said, how the hell did she get there? This girl can't even get to school anyway. But at three o'clock in the morning, she can go to Riggins Riggs.
0: Stacey, we've talked about this. There's an amazing subway system in Dillon, Texas. And you're just going to have to accept the fact that while they lack in other fundamental necessities in this town, mass transit is something that Dillon has tackled.
1: And the subway runs 24 hours a day in Dillon, I'm asking.
0: Yes, 24 okay. hours a day. It makes stops at every mm-hmm. main character's house.
1: Is there an app that I can load my money onto to get on the subway in Dillon?
0: Yes, I'm sure that there is, Stacey.
1: Sorry, that I'm asking logical
0: questions. I don't know how she gets there. I don't.
1: I'm assuming she stole her mom's car then because her mom was home and drunk. Maybe
0: she ran. We don't know. Riggins Riggs might be a block away.
1: It's five meters away. It could be
0: five meters away. Exactly. <laughs> this scene at the very end of the episode, Vince and Kennard and Calvin are doing something illegal. I don't know what they're doing. They're collecting money. They for need
1: s- to go get money. I know that. Yeah,
0: they're collecting money from somebody. And it winds up leading to like a shootout. Vince is driving the getaway car and Calvin winds up getting killed.
1: I don't know that. I thought he got shot. Like, we know that he's killed?
0: Yeah. It's the last Did scene in it? the episode. Yeah. Michael B's with Journey.
1: Yeah, but I thought he was upset about the things that he's having to do now to take care of his mom and that there were guns about. I didn't know that Calvin died.
0: Yeah, Calvin's dead.
1: That means Ernest James isn't coming back in that. Again, I'm going to have a Steve Harris and Ernest James sized hole in my heart now.
0: It's sad. I mean, it happened 15 years ago, but it's still sad. I just wanted to say that I thought that this scene with Jess and Vince at the end of the episode, it literally breaks my heart. It upsets me for Landry in some respects, because it makes me realize yeah. that like, their relationship is new. This relationship goes back years. Well,
1: she went to go see his mom. Yeah. That's history.
0: There's another level to the connection that these two have.
1: Yeah, Landry will never have.
0: And I don't think he's going to be able to squeeze his way into that, unfortunately. You know?
1: Give Vince a break is all I'm saying Oh man. Kid needs one.
0: Well, he's not getting it next episode, unfortunately. Guys, I think that is it for season four, episode 11, but please join us next time for season four, episode 12, entitled Laboring. But until then, Clear Eyes.
1: Full Hearts. Can't yeah. lose. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions.
0: Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mindy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions.
1: Our producer is Miranda Parham.
0: Send your questions to Pod at gmail.com.
1: And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Stacey Oristano.
0: And I'm also on Instagram at underscore Derek Phillips.
1: Check us out on YouTube and blackbarrelmedia.com.
0: Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.